Hello, I'm Ryan Boll, a Middle East and North Africa analyst at Rain. This podcast is brought to you by Worldview, Rain's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Sign up for our free newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to the Essential Geopolitics Podcast from Rain. I'm Emily Donahue. The most dramatic moment of intense international attention on Tunisia was probably during 2011. For 28 days, civilians engaged in protests and civil resistance, which ultimately led to a government turnover and sparked the Arab Spring. Now, Tunisia may be experiencing another political transition. I asked Emily Hawthorne, senior Middle East and North Africa analyst at Rain, to explain. Hi, Emily. Hi, Emily. So can you tell me what exactly is happening in Tunisia? Yes, we should start there. Uh, Tunisia is on the cusp of some potentially substantial political change ever since the president, Kais Saeed, announced um, about six months ago in the summer of 2021 in a surprise executive decree that he was suspending parliament, that he was dismissing the prime minister, and that the presidential office would be temporarily assuming more powers. So this move was initially received with a lot of public support because Tunisians have been frustrated in recent years, um, one with the state of the economy, but also there has been this developing sort of broadly shared sense that government has been unresponsive and inefficient in answering Tunisians' daily concerns. Um, And certainly we've seen in the Tunisian parliament over the last few years some log jams, some debate that goes nowhere, and and really just a lot of inertia. Um, But the response to this decision by the president to issue these executive decrees um, has been really mixed. Some political groups have been opposed, um, including, of course, the main political party that was sidelined in that parliamentary suspension. Some political groups were cautiously in support, but their support has waned as their concerns grow that the president is using this situation to expand his own powers at the expense of other groups in the government um, and other institutions. Um, and, and one really key example is the powerful labor union in the country. Tunisia has one of the most powerful labor unions in the world. Um, they have shifted in some of their initial support for Said's measures um, as the uncertainty has grown about um, really what his intentions are and, and what's next for Tunisia. So what is next for Tunisia? Well, coming in the next year, um, it's really important to watch. Um, We could see some actual real structural changes to um, how Tunisia's government works. In the last month, we've had some developments that chart out a path forward. Um, In mid-December, the president did announce a plan to hold a constitutional referendum in July on the anniversary of those executive measures that he announced. Um, And he also announced that new elections for parliament would be held in a year's time. So that would make it December 2022. So 2022 is going to be this, you know, this transitional year um, of debating potential constitutional amendments, um, holding a, a vote on them, and then holding a vote for a new parliament. So it it is um, potentially going to be a year in which we see real, um, actual shifts in how the government works. Um, it, it was good for clarity that the president did 
provide in recent weeks this sort of path forward, you know, this schedule that we have the referendum in July and then we have the new elections in December. Um, it, it began to answer some of those growing questions from those other Tunisian political groups about, okay, what's your end goal here? Um, but it really remains uncertain and unclear what exactly will change in Tunisia. And that's what I think makes this year so pregnant with questions about what ultimately could change. Um, how are parliamentary powers going to shift? How will presidential powers shift? What could happen with the judiciary? And just really the balance of power between the branches of government. Um, all of these building blocks of government really could shift in Tunisia. And this next year is going to be transformational toward that end. Given that we've seen Tunisia's developments affect the larger region, can you explain why this is important outside of the country itself? Tunisia has been upheld by some within Tunisia, but especially outside Tunisia and especially in Western capitals, as this example of democratic success in a region that's not known for democratic governance. Um, the Arab Spring did begin in Tunisia um, in December 2010 and January 2011, um, and really uh, Tunisia did emerge from that that sort of wave of popular protests and pro-reform demonstrations. Tunisia emerged as the most changed. You saw the longtime president resign. Uh, Tunisia developed a brand new constitution. The drafters of that constitution won a Nobel Prize. Civil society groups were empowered. The press became more free. It, it really was a notable moment in not just Tunisia's history, but in the Arab world's history. Um, and there were, in short, a lot of changes in the direction toward more democratic freedoms um, that were celebrated, again, especially in Western capitals like Washington. But the reality is a lot of those political and economic issues endured in Tunisia, and many of the promises of the revolution went unanswered. And that's led to a lot of the frustrations that we've talked about that President Said has been able to tap into as he has proposed um, this transitional period forward for the government. Um, I think because of the amount of attention that Tunisia received globally, being the first Arab Spring domino, that first place where you saw a longtime ruler step down, it also means that any political shifts in the other direction toward a more centralized government or a more top-down government or a more authoritarian government, any shift in that direction is also going to get a lot of attention. Um, and that's what's at stake right now in Tunisia is that if you do see uh, a move over 2022 towards a more authoritarian system that sort of nests more power under the president without a lot of transparency about what that means for the rest of government and ultimately for Tunisians, then that's going to be a potential warning sign um, about sort of the incomplete trajectory of democratic reforms um, that we saw begin with the Arab Spring, but, but really have not come to fruition. So I, I do think Tunisia is a small country, um, but what happens there does matter and sort of resonate well outside of its own borders. And I think this year is a really important year to be watching it. Thank you for that analysis, Emily. Thank you. Emily Hawthorne is Senior Middle East and North Africa Analyst at RAIN. You can follow Tunisia's economic and political developments and how they drive regional geopolitics with RAIN Worldview. Sign up now and get a great deal on a year of forecasting and analysis. Visit rainworldview.com to subscribe. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.